This is Sports Psychology Today with Dr. Andrew Jacobs. I cannot express the gratitude what my son came and visited you. Dr. Jacobs has been in practice for 37 years as a sports psychologist. I have seen a change in youth sports in the last 10, 15 years. I've talked about it a lot on this show. Sports Psychology Today, the best advice on the radio each and every week. Failure and losing and screwing up is something that happens in life, it happens in sports, and I think we have to teach kids how to do that more effectively. This is where sports talk gets real. That word playing, it's gone from our society in a lot of ways with kids. And now, here's your host, Dr. Andrew Jacobs. Hello everyone, I am sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs, and welcome to our show here from our flagship station, Sports Radio 810, WHB in Kansas City. I'm with you every week as we talk about the mental side of sports on this show. And I look forward to talking with you, taking your calls, and getting discussions about sports psychology every week here. You know, we talk about things like sportsmanship, competitiveness, winning and losing, success and failure. How do you build confidence? How do you destroy it? How do coaches affect athletes? And what does it mean to win? I've been on the radio now for 27 years here in the Kansas City area. Our show is syndicated now, which I'm very happy to be talking to people nationally as well. I've been in practice for 37 years, and I've had the privilege of working with athletes all over the country in a wide array of sports, Olympic team psychologists, team psychologists, professional teams, collegiate teams. As you know, we have our book, Just Let Them Play, which I co-wrote with Jeff Montgomery and Pete Malone that's been out now for about a year and a half and doing quite well, and a lot of people like that because we talk about the whole issue of youth sports. And today we're going to have a special show. You know, if you listen to this show and you have over the years, you know, I talk a lot about my family on this show. I've talked a lot about my sons, Jonathan and Gregory, and their experiences in youth sports. And many, many times I have referenced my great-uncle Hurst Jacobs on this show when he died February 13, 1970, the winningest trainer in the history of horse racing. And his daughter, Patrice, who will be joining us here in a few moments, one of my favorite cousins, owned Affirmed with her husband, Lou Wolfson. Affirmed won the Triple Crown in horse racing in 1978. It's the 40-year anniversary of that. And I thought it'd be great to talk with her since Justify won the Kentucky Derby in the Preakness and has a chance to become the 13th Triple Crown winner this coming week. You know, the Triple Crown is one of the most difficult accomplishments to achieve in sports. It's something very, very few people have ever been able to experience. There are only a few people alive now who can say they owned a Triple Crown horse. American Pharaoh, of course, won it three years ago. The owners of Seattle Salute are still alive, as well as my cousin Patrice. And I thought it would be great to talk with her and have her share some stories about horse racing. And there's a new book out now about her father and maybe his greatest horse, Stymie, called Out of the Clouds. It just came out this past week. We'll reference that as well on the show. But we're going to talk about Affirmed and Alidar, maybe one of the greatest rivalries in sports in thoroughbred horse racing history because it was an incredible situation where these horses raced 10 times, Affirmed won seven, and all three Triple Crown races, he barely beat Alidar in the Derby by a, he- a head or a neck in the Preakness by a head, and in the Belmont by a nose for the last mile. So, Patrice, thank you for joining me this morning. How are you today? Good morning, Andy. How are you? I'm great. I know it's early, but it's an hour earlier here where I get up every week, so thank you for taking the time to join me today. Let's talk a little bit. You know, this this whole situation of, a, of the affirmed Alidar rivalry, of course, I got to experience it and see him race six times 
you were so gracious to let me come and watch him race in California and in New York. It had to be just the most enthralling thing for you and your husband, Lou, to experience after growing up. I mean, your father was such a great trainer, but of course, when he died in 1970, he'd never won a triple crown race. And then that year you had personality and high echelon winning the Preakness and the Belmont. But to experience your horse affirmed winning the triple crown, what was that like for you and your husband? Oh, Andy, I can't even put it into words. You know, coming up to the 40th anniversary next Sunday. Um, just just magical. A magical time. I mean, I know you, you were having... you. It, it was nerve-wracking, wasn't it? I mean, to watch those races as close as they were and not knowing what's going to happen? Exactly. I, I think you, you, the biggest thing you really had to look at you had to imagine was getting him to the Kentucky Derby the spring of 1978. And, um, and once he won the Derby, you know, then you had to win the Preakness if you could, and you did, and we did. Then coming up to the Belmont, it's, it's just those three weeks in between are excruciating, and, and it's hard to believe what it was like. You know, we're going we're gonna to replay the call of the race of the Belmont here in a few moments. And I want to have you, when, when it's done, tell us how you felt as that race was going on. Because I know, I remember watching it in my apartment in California in grad school. And the intensity of that race was so, so I, I don't know how you can describe it. They ran the last mile of the race a nose apart. And you had a jockey by the name of Steve Cawthon, who was 17 years old at the time, if I remember correctly, riding okay. him. I mean, here's a young man out of Kentucky who your trainer, Laz Barrera, what a great man he was, had, had him riding this horse. 17 years of age, was named Sports Illustrated Sportsman of the Year, had a book written about him called The Kid. What was it like to, to get to know him and to watch him at such a young age deal with all this pressure and the stress because it was incredible. I remember how, you know, that was everybody talked about it on every news outlet. That's all that was being talked about in sports then. Exactly. Well, Steve Cawthon was uh, just an unbelievable youngster at the time. He, he, well, even to this day, but he, he had a, a certain coolness about him and maturity about him, um, and he just fit firm so beautifully. The two of them, hand in hand, um, it was a, it was a it was just a beautiful combination of raw talent and um, ability and. Uh, finesse how does how does a trainer pick a jockey for a horse and have them fit you know you talk you hear so much about this about you know them them getting along well how did steve cawthon and a firm work so well together well cawthon was a young apprentice in new york in the spring of 77 i believe it was um when he wrote a firm as a two-year-old um, but they just naturally got together because Lass had a big stable in California and had a stable in the east at Belmont Park, and, and he gravitated to Cawthon because he was leading apprentice the year before, and he was a bright star on the horizon. And he just clicked with Laz. They got along beautifully, and Laz liked his, his easiness about him. He was, uh, he was like a feather on a horse, Laz used to say. And... Um, uh, they just fit beautifully together. How does how does a jockey relate to a horse? I mean, you've been around horse racing your whole life. You grew up around tracks. You, of course, your father was was the winningest trainer in horse racing history. You saw so much. How does a how do a jockey and a horse relate that, that gets them to to work together so well? What do you think it is? Well, 
No, I, I really believe it's, it's really the horse and then the trainer skill and then the rider skill. But I, let's talk about the horse, basically, and his talent. Um, it's the jockey that just brings out the talent. But most good horses can be ridden by, by any good rider. Actually, it doesn't have to be a good rider. Just, you know, they steer him right. <laughs> but, well, if the uh, horse is fast, all you have to do is guide him, right? That's what you have to do. <laughs> right. But, that, but, but then, it takes, then it takes a certain else. If a horse likes to take it easy and not be rushed in the early part of the race, uh, then that requires something else. But with the firm, he could go to the lead. He could come from off the pace. He was so versatile. In fact, Laz used to call him, I'm looking at something right now, um, I'm a Yankee fan, and uh, Laz said, baseball's lover, Barrera, compares a firm to DiMaggio. Um, you know, Laz was a real Yankee fan, too, and so we we appreciated the fact that Laz really thought that this, this, was, this horse was just an actual, natural athlete, and yeah. he loved to run. We're going to go to our first commercial break, and when we come back, Patrice, we're going to play the call of the Belmont. And want to, after it's done, I want to talk with you about just what it was like to sit there and watch that because the to watch two horses run a, a mile, a nose apart, had to be excruciating for you and your husband watching that, knowing that if he wins, you're the Triple Crown winners. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. Joining me this morning is Patrice Wolfson, the owner of Affirmed, the 11th Triple Crown winner. 1978, we're going up on the 40th anniversary of Affirmed winning the Triple Crown and, and maybe one of the greatest horse racing rivalries ever between Affirmed and Alidar. We're going to go to commercial break. I'd like to come back and take some calls. If you'd like to talk to us, our phone number here is 913-3810-810. 913-3810-810. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. My guest this morning is Patrice Wolfson, and we're on the Leader in Sports, Sports Radio 810 WHB. Hello again, everyone. I am sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. I'm here every week, and we talk about the mental side of sports on this show. And today, I'm privileged to have my cousin Patrice Wilson joining me. Patrice is the owner, co-owner with her husband of Affirmed, who won the Triple Crown 40 years ago. We're coming up on the 40th anniversary of that. And, of course, we have Justify winning the Derby and the Preakness this year and possibly becoming the next Triple Crown winner coming up this week. And I'm lucky to have my cousin talking with me this morning about Affirm. We're going to play the call of the Belmont from 40 years ago here in a moment. Before we do, you know, Affirm had two jockeys who rode him. Steve Cawthon, who rode him during the Triple Crown races. Then after later on in his career, he had uh, the winningest trainer in, in all of horse racing when he retired, Lafitte Pinkai, riding him. Patrice, tell us a little bit about those jockeys and just, you know, the difference between them riding him. Um, yes. Uh, Lafitte was a very strong um, he had um, he had established himself many many years uh, in in racing and riding, and uh, he inherited the mount when Lafitte, excuse me, when Steve Cawthon was injured, and um, let's see, he rode him as a two year old um, in California when uh, affirmed was a youngster then. Um, but now, what are we saying, um, Andy? We're talking about the two riders and comparing the two riders. Yes, yes. I think the only way we can compare them is that Lafitte was a very strong um, rider, and Lafitte and and Steve Cawthon was as light as a feather, like I said earlier, on a horse. They had two different, completely different styles, and there were times that we look back now and 
And there's no question in my mind that Affirm responded much better to Lafitte. He was almost afraid of him. Uh, Steve Carlton never really had to use a whip on Affirmed, or should I say, you know, uh, lightly tap him on the shoulder, as he did through the stretch of the Belmont. But uh, Lafitte was a very strong rider, and Affirm was afraid of him, I think. And so he would win his races off. I think they won seven in a row as a, as a four-year-old. Yes. Well, he, of course, I met him. You know, I did my doctoral dissertation, which you helped me out. I studied the personality characteristics of jockeys and spent a lot of time talking with him, a true gentleman, true gentleman. And he really understood what, what was going on. I, I just in talking with him, he, he was so bright and so together. And, of course, you know, he rode you know, he's the greatest jockey ever when he retired and understood horses. So I think... One of the things that I, I sort of picked up on was you mentioned earlier if the horse is good, you could put anybody on him. But, but as you said, though, I think a, a, an experienced jockey who understands the horse can really become one. They become one athlete together, don't they? Yes, but now you're talking about, say, for example, Justify coming up to the Belmont next Saturday. Um, Mike Smith rides him. There's another outstanding great rider. Um, how old is Mike Smith now? And he's late, late 40s, I think, or even 50s, I believe. Like that. Just a great rider. And so there's a combination of two horses, another great trainer, uh, Baffett. And uh, the stage is set for another historic, I think, Belmont. I, I think he's going to win it, and I think he's going to be the next Triple Crown winner, the 13th. Uh, but, again, it's a combination of just a wonderful, wonderful um, – uh, again, horse and rider. Yeah, uh, it, it's it's so difficult to do that. Of course, the Kentucky Derby is a mile and a quarter. The Preakness two weeks later is a mile and three sixteenths, and three weeks later you have the Belmont, which is the longest race there is at a mile and a half for these horses. And the training regimen is so important. the The knowledge of the of the trainer has to play such a key role in terms of when to train him, when to rest him how to get the horse prepared. So let's let's go ahead and play the call of the Belmont Patrice. And, and when we're done, I want, want you to tell us what that was like listening to that. So we're going to go ahead and put it on now. This is Dave Johnson, who was the announcer for the Belmont in 1978, where Affirm won the Triple Crown. And they're up. That's Affirm going out for the lead. Then Judge Advocate Adelaidar is away well on the inside. Then Noontime Spender and Darby Creek Road. They move for the first turn. Affirmed has the lead by a half length. Judge Advocate on the outside in second by a half length. Along the rail, it's Alidar in third, followed by Noontime Spender and Darby Creek Road. They move into the turn and Affirmed going along easily on the hand ride, three quarters of a length. Judge Advocate tucks into second by a head, but Alidar won't settle for that and moves alongside. And it is Alidar who's going up now to challenge that pace. Then it's a gap of three lengths back to Noontime Spender and finally Darby Creek Road. They went the first quarter slow, 25 seconds. They move to the back stretch, affirmed managing the lead by one length. Alidar is a very close second by three quarters. Then Judge Advocate, third by a length and a half, and Noontime Spender in fourth. Darby Creek Road is six lengths off the pace. 
50 seconds for a half mile. Now we've got a speed duel beginning to develop. On the inside affirmed, on the outside Alidar, and those two are letting out all stops. They're going on out together. Affirmed along the inside, Alidar on the outside, heads apart as they move down the back stretch. Then they've opened six lengths on Noontime Spender and Judge Advocate, and the trailer is still Darby Creek Road. Three quarters, however, went in 114. The pace is still slow. They're moving into the turn. Affirmed holding ahead in front, and Ali Dar on the outside is challenging again. It's affirmed by ahead on the turn. Ali Dar is second by four and a half. Along the inside, Judge Advocate, Noontime's Bender, and Darby Creek Road now beginning to pick up the pace. Three quarters, one in 14, a mile in 37 and two. The pace is increasing as they come to the head of the stretch. It is still affirmed as they come to the quarter pole. He's holding on to a head lead. Alidar is outside of him and challenging that lead. The two are heads apart and Alidar's got a lead. Alidar put a head in front right in the middle of the stretch. It's Alidar and Affirmed battling back along the inside. We'll test these two to the wire. Affirmed under a left-hand whip. Alidar on the outside driving. Affirmed and Alidar heads apart. Affirmed's got a nose in front as they come on to the wire. At the finish, it's going to be dead tight. Affirmed second. Steve Coffin salutes the crowd. Darby Creek Road in third. Judge Advocate fourth. And Noontime Spender finished fifth in what a stirring stretch battle. They both had their shot. Okay, Patrice, what was that like? Oh, my. I I think I just heard in the call a few things that, that I don't think I don't think Ali Dar ever did get his head in front. Uh, but they did stay right close together. It was just so thrilling, so unbelievably. Um... It was, it was, it was for the ages. Every right? time you hear that, and I, I watch that quite a lot, but the, the goosebumps you must feel every time, just experience that again and again. I mean, that, that was one of the greatest, obviously in the tri- history of the Triple Crown, maybe the greatest race ever with these two horses running a mile and nose apart. What but, was? But I will say something that's interesting. Um, there was a program on last night, uh, NBC showed. It was called Dark Horses. And it was advertised as uh, probably one of the greatest rivalries ever. And when I read it, I was shocked because uh, it was really uh, Easygoer and Sunday Silence. And I, I was at first a little critical. How could they say that? I think it was mis. Yeah, we're going to come back. We're going to come back and talk about this. And we've got to go to our break now. I'm talking to Patrice okay. Wolfson. I'm sports psychologist, Dr. Andrew Jacobs. Hello again, everyone. I am sports psychologist, Dr. Andrew Jacobs. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. I'm here every week and from our flagship station, Sports Radio 810 WHB in Kansas City. We talk about all kinds of topics on this show each week. And today I'm privileged to have my cousin Patrice Wolfson on with me. Patrice, along with her late husband, Lou Wolfson, were the co-owners of Affirmed, who 40 years ago, won the Triple Crown in horse racing, one of the most difficult accomplishments there is to accomplish in all of sports. And uh, she's taking the time this morning to join us this morning talking about that situation. You know, Patrice, right before we went to the break, we listened to the call of the Belmont where Affirmed won by a nose over Alidar. They raced ten times. Affirmed won seven of those races. Actually, eight one time he was moved down to second place. But what an incredible rivalry that was. And that does, how often in, in horse racing do you see rivalries like that last as long as that did and, and, and go as that, that intensely? Well, Andy, what was so interesting, and I think before the break I was speaking about this dark horses that was on NBC last night. Yes. And uh, talking about the rivalry between Sunday Silence and Easygoer. And I was 
so amazed at that rivalry. And you talk about trainers and you talk about riders. And, and that was a perfect example of, of, I think you asked me something about jockeys and trainers. Yes. Is that the question you had asked yes. me about? Yes. Uh, something about uh, a Lasborough, I think you had mentioned something about um, a firm's trainer. Yes, yes. The, the role that, tra- that a trainer has in, in horses, you know, you most people don't know how important that is. I mean, they have to be aware of everything that's going on with these horses every day. Just tell us a little bit about that. Of course, your father, or my, my great uncle, was the winningest trainer ever when he, when he passed away. So you, you've been around horse racing your whole life. Just tell us a little bit about the role of a trainer and how important that is in, in getting these horses to, to be well, where they need to be. I, I think we're talking about the uniqueness. He was like a, the horse whisperer. I mean, he did things as a trainer that, that trainers today or even years ago don't do. Um, and you're talking unique. about your father, Hurst Jacobs. Yes, he was very unique in his style and very unique in um, in claiming horses and then going on to breeding his own horses and raising them and then eventually sending certain horses to stud. And um, and um, so he was unique. He knew every part of the of the uh, horsemanship and and the racing industry. And so he was able to develop horses and. Um, um, well, I think you mentioned before Stymie, am I right? You said yes. it yes. just came out, Out of the Clouds. Yes, and the book Out of the Clouds about, about your father and Stymie. And who, who and, and, and share a little bit with our audience about about that relationship and, and who Stymie was and just how that success happened there. Again, he was a horse that um, didn't show any promise. He was, a, he was uh, undeveloped. Well, I shouldn't say undeveloped, but he didn't have any any um it didn't look like he had much potential my dad got a hold of him he claimed him for fifteen hundred dollars took his time with him and and developed into uh an outstanding come from behind that's where the the title out of the clouds i believe linda linda carroll named the book because he would come from way way back and then make this one run and again he developed that style by learning to take it easy the early part of the race, and um, and then would come from way behind and and uh, have a thrilling, thrilling stretch run. You know, and that's where to me the the role of a trainer is so important because, like like you said, your father is known as the horse whisperer, but a, a trainer really is a psychologist for horses, and they have to understand their personalities. Every horse's personality is different, right? And you have to understand what it, it, you know when you get them into the track and racing them, like you said what kind of jockey may fit the best with the horse. And that's where, where the role of, trainer, of a trainer really comes in, right? It's, it's understanding the psyches and the personalities of these horses. But I think now we're talking about three unique things that have just happened in the past maybe a couple of weeks or a month or, as I mentioned, this show last night. Um, you, you talk about uh, Justify for Saturday and, and um, Baffet, his unique style. Um, Charlie Whittingham, who trained Sunday Silence, uh, great, great horseman. Um, and I think we have to today talk about just certain jockeys and certain horses and certain trainers that just stand out. And what is it? Do you, what do you think it is about the, the great trainer, Patrice? Of course, your father. We're, we're a little bit biased here, you and I. But what what is it about a great trainer? Do you think that that allows him or her 
to get to the point where they can understand these horses and what makes them tick? Just the uniqueness. It's just in my dad, it was just innate. He just, it was a sixth sense. Uh, he could look at a bunch of horses in the field and be able to point everyone out, usually who the sire and the dam was. And, and of course, they were homebred, so he knew, you know, he knew uh, the lineage, the pedigree, I should say. But um, he was unique. You don't have trainers do that. Well, and today you have trainers that have horses racing tracks around the country. Back back in the day when your father was training, it was basically he was the trainer, and you know, your brother John trained with him, but basically he was there every day for, for almost every race. Tables were different years ago, in the 30s and in the 40s. And then they started to change again in the 50s and in the 60s, um, and then, of course, affirmed in the 70s. Um, but each decade was a different style of training and racing. And speaking of that, the 70s, we had three Triple Crown winners. Of course, the Great Secretariat in 1973, Seattle Slough in 77, and affirmed in 78. Then 37 years goes by, 37 years before American Pharaoh won it. There were a number of horses most notably California Chrome, several of them that almost won it but didn't. Okay. Yes. The difficulty to win the Triple Crown, Patrice, I mean, it, it, it's maybe the most difficult thing there is in sport, isn't it? Absolutely. Absolutely. And, of course, when Affirmed won his, the traveling was so different because today, you know, your, your air travel is different. Um, um, it, was, it was much more difficult, I think, in the 40s, I mean, excuse me, in the 70s, uh, than it would be now. I just think that... Um, in what way? How was it different? Your traveling was much more difficult. Um, you know, today with these, the jets and how they can go from, uh, you know, one track to another so easily, uh, the travel was much more difficult back in the, in the 70s. Well, you know, most of this is something I don't, I've ever asked you about, but it's something I think fascinates me that as you bring this up. So how were horses transported back in the 30s and 40s? I'm assuming it was by, by trains or by vans. Now, it's, of course, by planes. But yes. how difficult was that then to transport a horse that, that was, you know, so valuable cross-country and things like that? How, how was that done? Yes, well, I do remember, Laz, you know, commissioning, um, you know, the flight from California after a firm had won the Hollywood Derby to get him to Kentucky for the Kentucky Derby. And uh, uh, I knew he, I know he was a little concerned about, um, you know, his transportation and getting to Kentucky. And it was a big thing today. It's, it's an everyday thing. Um, but those years, it was unique. So you when know. you do transfer a horse, and let's talk about that, you know, who goes with them? How is all that handled? Again, is groom and the assistant trainer. Depends. Depends on who the horse is and depends what the race is. And, um, but, um, I think getting back to the difference between the 70s and now this particular year, um, it's entirely different. Of course, for you watching Justify, what comes to your mind as far as, I'm sure you would like to see him win. I'm sure it's, it's fun to see another horse win the Triple Crown. 37 years went between Affirmed and, and American Pharaoh with several horses almost doing that. What, you know, what was that like for you to, to see that and then, then see these horses not succeed? I didn't hear what you said, Andy. So what was it like 
when you saw a horse almost winning? Was it disappointing for you to see that? Because I know you wanted to see another horse come through and win the Triple Crown after a firm day. It really depended. Uh, you know, California Chrome, I think I was very pleased with American Pharaoh. Uh, but I think I'd be more so would, would justify there's a little something about this horse that's so unique, you know, so few starts. And, and um, it's great for racing. Racing needs stars, and they've got one now if he could win this triple crown. Um, so I, I do think that um, um, there won't be a rivalry here, I don't believe. I don't think anybody's in his league justify Saturday. Whereas in a firm's day, he had to beat Alidar, who was a great horse on his own, a horse that's in the Hall of Fame. And a horse who probably would have won the Triple Crown had a firm not been running. Right. I don't know whether there's another horse in the Hall of Fame who wasn't a champion, uh, which Alidar was not any, you know, firm was two-year-old, three-year-old, four-year-old champion, and horse of the year, three and four. Um, but Alidar was simply great and yet got into the Hall of Fame for probably being the second, <laughs> the greatest second-place horse, even though he did win some major, major stakes. Well, it always goes back to what I always say, a winner does, doesn't always have to come in first place, and that's been my philosophy for years. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. My guest this morning is my cousin Patrice Wolfson, owner of Affirmed, who 40 years ago won the Triple Crown. If you'd like to give us a call and ask a question, our number is 913-3810-810, 913-3810-810. And we're on the Leader in Sports, Sports Radio 810 WHB. Hello again, everyone. I am sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. This is the Sports Psychology Hour from our flagship station, Sports Radio 810 WHB in Kansas City. And today I'm talking with my cousin Patrice Wolfson, the co-owner, along with her late husband Lou, of Affirmed, who won the Triple Crown 40 years ago. Seems like about a year ago to me. Maybe, Patrice, maybe, maybe, does it seem like 40 years to you? Absolutely not. <laughs> Absolutely not. No. You know, there's you have a website about Affirm, correct? If people want to find out about him, isn't that correct? Yeah, AffirmTripleCrown.com. It's a historical website. And there's a lot of great information on there. And you know, you now, you grew up with a father who, when he passed away in 1970, was the winningest trainer in horse racing history. I, I talk about Uncle Hirsch a lot on this show as an inspiration for me. I got to spend time as a youngster. With you all, I know I spent an entire week with your parents back in the mid-60s, and he took me to the track with him every day, and it went, came back to New York and really inspired, inspired me a lot. And, and, of course, he was so successful, and, and he came. It's a rags-to-riches story. There's a book out now called Out of the Clouds about him and, and about Stymie, the horse he claimed, as you mentioned earlier, for 1500 When Stymie retired, I believe, what, 918 is not great stories in horse racing. Tell, tell us a little bit about your dad and how he got to it, obviously, but... It really is a great story. Um, you know, look back in to the nominated and elected to the Hall of Fame. The first year that they, they put in uh, living trainers, Ben Jones, Fitzsimmons, and Hearst Jacobs. And he was a youngster compared to the two older trainers. And that was in 1958, Andy. And uh, going into the Hall of Fame, and he hadn't developed his great horses from 1960 through 1965 when he had a stroke. Um, it's amazing when you look back, you know, getting one of the great awards, you know, being put in the Hall of Fame, and then, of course, Stymie followed him, and affectionately, and so many of his horses went into the Hall of Fame. Horses that he bred or developed or 
in case of stymie where he claimed him. And and a lot of breeding was is attributed to some, a lot, lot of things your dad did, right? Because I mean, he really understood breeding and, and developed. Absolutely, I keep mentioning this this show that was on the other night, um, Sunday Silence, uh, who beat Easygoer in this early races, the Derby and the Preakness, and he was a son of Halo, uh, who was Hail to Reason. And of course, and Hail to Reason was was your great horse that, that you you owned that. He ran in my name in yes. 1960. And broke his leg. Yeah. He, he fractured a sesamoid the uh, morning, uh, the, week, the year before the Kentucky Derby, and he was two-year-old champion and went on to become a great, great stallion. And his, his, uh, his offspring over the years um, have just developed. You, you, see, you see them in the, in the racing annuals year after year, and you'll see a hail of reason. Or in the case of Lou Wilson, a raisin native, who he bought as a young horse. And he went on to become a great, great stallion. And so much of horse racing then, what a lot of people don't know, I think, has to do with breeding and how you breed horses and the success of that. And, of course, your dad really got a lot of that going himself. He understood that. But what was unique about your father, Patrice? Because, you know, like we said, he was a horse whisperer. And, and you know, I think sometimes I wonder in part, I got into this profession, sports psychology, somewhat because of some of the things that, that I, I learned from him. But what was it about him that made him so unique and so successful? Because he came from, not, you know, our, our your father, my grandfather, they, they were one of ten kids growing up in, in, in Brooklyn and Manhattan in the early 1900s. They didn't have much. And he, you know, started racing pigeons and got into horse racing and became so successful. What was it about him that allowed him to do that that, that you think – gave him that greatness that he had. He observed, he, 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 and he was anxious to learn, and he would pick anybody's brain that he could find that could expand his knowledge. And so he developed a great love for a certain pedigrees, uh, the mayor of La Trione, and so he would try to buy any offspring from this great foundation mayor. And that's how he developed his, his bloodlines and his farm and and of course stymie bought the stymie man of the farm in maryland and and um so but he loved he loved the horse and and um yes andy i'm yeah he loved well i I, just listening to you know he his ability to read horses i thought was so unique you know he could he could look at a horse and he could determine so many different things in, t- in terms of their motivation, in terms of their style, in terms of their skill, just by looking and watching them train. Exactly. And, and that's really, really, to me, you know, he was a psychologist for horses. And, and I think when, as I'm listening to you talk, one of the things, you know, he, he, those are qualities of a great coach, which your father had. Someone who can guide, a role of a coach is to guide. And that's what a trainer is. He's a guide for the horse. I know it may sound a little funny to some people, but really that's what it is. You're a guide and a director and you have to understand the psyches. I always say a great coach is a great psychologist. A, a bad coach needs a sports psychologist, one of my favorite sayings. And, mm-hmm. you know, when you sit down and think of great, about great trainers, of course, your, your father was the greatest, and then you had Laz Barrera, who trained for you for so many years, who I know you loved him, and different, totally different people, but, but understood horses just as well. And, and when you talk about some of the great trainers, you talked about Charlie Whittingham, Bob Baffert, these people, they really are psychologists of horses, aren't they? Absolutely. I think that's, you're just bringing out the, the essence of what this topic is today, you know, uh, racing and, and, 
and this triple crown and how unique it is to win it and um, how hard it was. And uh, speaking of trainers, back to Laz, what he did with Affirmed, very unique, very unique. You know, we've got a couple of minutes left before we have to finish up here, the Patrice. What, what would you like to tell our listeners just about the, the excitement that you experienced, just you yourself as the owner of Affirmed, as he came down that stretch run with Aladar in the Belmont to win the triple crown? Just what was going through your... Your well, mind I, and your heart. Let's take one moment to get back when Affirmed was a, a fall in the farm in Ocala. And when he came over to Lou and myself and came to the fence, and when he walked, came over to us, he put his head in my arms. He was just a little bowl. And I looked at him and I said, gee, you look like Stymie. He had a marking similar to Stymie. Right, that white marking on his forehead. It was a certain something. He reminded me of Stymie. And... uh to this day, putting things together, I'm hoping to put together a coffee table book and hoping to do a little, write a book myself. And to compare the two of them, uh, it's, it's amazing. It's just amazing how, how different breeding, different everything, but uh, how unique the two of them were. Affirmed and stymie. Patrice, we're going to wrap it up here this morning. I want to thank you so much for joining us. I always love talking to you, as you know. But if people want to get a hold of you, they want to find out about Affirmed, how can they do that? Um, the website. Well, go to the website. I think that um, a lot of the things there were pictures that we put together, and, and I think you, it tells the story. And I, I, I think that they'll enjoy looking at it. And we'll see in a week if there's a 13th Triple Crown winner named Justify. Let's hope so. Yes. Patrice, thanks so much for joining me this morning. You take care of yourself. Love you. Okay. Thanks for the interview. Hi, Andy. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. Joining me this morning has been my cousin, I said, Patrice Wolfson, owner of Affirmed. We're coming up on the 40th anniversary of that great rivalry between Affirmed and Aladar with Affirmed winning the Triple Crown. I'm here every week. Hope you enjoy the show. Our shows are podcasted here at Sports Radio 810 WHB. They're also on my website, winnersunlimited.com. You can follow me on Twitter at, at DRJSportsPsych. And, of course, you want to get a hold of me at my office, my number is 816-561-5556. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. This is Sports Psychology Today. Hope you enjoy the show. Check out our podcast. Listen to all our shows on my website, winnersunlimited.com. Have a great week, and we'll talk to you next week on Sports Psychology Today.